Detroit Tiger fans, are you ready for the most exhilarating event of the summer? Get ready for the 6th Annual Motor City Metrics MLB Draft Show. Hosted by your very own Chris Brown and Rogelio Castillo, we're exploring one of the deepest MLB drafts in recent memory. Who will rise for the pack? Will the Detroit Tigers secure an impact bat with their pick? This is the first draft in the Scott Harris era, and you don't want to miss it. Be part of the excitement witness the future of baseball unfold on the Motor City Metrics MLB Draft Show. Join us Sunday, July 9th on the Motor City Metrics YouTube channel and the Tiger Miley Report YouTube channel for the first round of coverage. All right. Hey, welcome anybody and everybody who's listening right now. I already see we got, we got a $5 donation from Blood Rider Eddie and a $50 donation from Elton, which is amazing. Thank you so much, guys. It is another episode of the Tiger's Miley Report. It's an interesting one so far uh, as Rogelio is uh, driving back from parts unknown up north in Michigan. He may join us tonight. He may not. I'm not sure. Uh, Jerry was going to join us, but he had something come up at work. And we're supposed to be joined uh, by Brian Sikowski, the national cross-checker from Perfect Game. We're going to talk a little draft tonight with somebody who really knows the insides and outs of the draft. Uh, but he hasn't shown up yet. So right now it's just me and you guys. Uh, and, you know, as soon as I see that, I see a bunch of eyeballs leave, which shows us uh, who's watching and who isn't. But uh, yeah, happy, first of all, Happy Father's Day to anybody and everybody out there who uh, who is a father or got to spend time with their father or misses their father or any of that. We, we uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. I hope everybody got a chance to be with their family today if they could. I will tell you from from my side of things, we we got to, uh, it was pretty nice. My, my dad's still with us. He's uh, 72, 73, uh, still going strong. And uh, we got to, Meet meet uh, for brunch this morning with uh, him and my brother has a has basically a starting hockey team in terms of his kids. He's got six kids, only three of them made it, but with those three kids and his wife and me and two members of my family, we we had to. It was an eleven person table. They had to put us in a conference room. It was like we were finishing a business deal instead of eating brunch. But uh, it was still fun. It was good to be with everybody. And then uh, you know my family came back here to the house to swim a little bit. It's a beautiful day here in Michigan, so. Pretty good Father's Day, all things considered, I think. I hope, hope everybody else had a good one, too. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a solo show. We'll see. Hopefully, we'll get the people to show up. Uh, but if not, we, uh, we're we going to talk. Oh, and there's Brian Tukowski joining us right now. Brian? Hello. Hello, Brian. Thank, Thank you. you. Welcome, et cetera. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. you, you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Yeah, how'd you do? How you doing on uh, Father's Day today? Father's Day was all right. We were in Michigan hanging out with uh, with her Marissa's dad, so just nice. uh, just busted busted ass back on the turnpike and walked in the house and and ready to rock and roll here. Yeah, appreciate you uh, you taking your time out. I know I got uh, I had the Florida game, Florida taking care of business against Oral Roberts uh, right behind me going down. Uh, Hurston Waldrop, man, I, I I you know I think people who knew knew that he was capable of this sort of stuff, but he's really probably pushing himself up wouldn't shock anybody i think if he's the number two pitcher on yeah the board now yeah it's um, him or louder I, and, and yeah. we'll see dolander you know soon again anyway so those three yeah. you're gonna be one of those three. <laughs> oh, brian watching your whole one hour mock draft for perfect game quick content as always brian sikowski <laughs> yes he is the national cross checker for perfect game of course if you don't know uh and see so you see it there at brian sikowski pg a couple underscores in there a couple of them please Follow him if you don't already, but you, I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody here who doesn't, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we typically run through the minor leagues when we do these shows, but I'm not going to put you through all that. We're, we'll just get right to the draft uh, when we 
start here. Um, I imagine some, we're going to get some uh, people peppering in questions from the sure. chat. I'll try to work those in, but uh, let's not overrun Brian with too many questions today, <laughs> if you guys don't mind. So uh, yeah, man, I, I'm glad. I really appreciate you joining us. Hopefully, Raj will hop on at some point. But he's somewhere between Oscoda and Dearborn. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like as I was saying, you know, we got the College World Series going on right now, which is just one of the best events in all sports. Even if you, even people who don't really like baseball, it's still pretty awesome to see this kind of yep. uh, action up in Omaha. But uh, and one cool thing about this year is, is like two thirds of I don't know the top fifteen players in the college ranks this year are there in Omaha. So we're getting to see a lot of them. Uh, and so yeah, it's been that's, it's been awfully fun so far. That's the transfer portal in action, man. Like that's only going to get yeah. more condensed as we go on. You know, like the it's not going to happen a hundred percent of the time. But we're we're at a place where like if you're really good at a mid major as a freshman, you're not going to be there anymore. You, you know, and like it's yeah. kind of I look at that as as you know bad. I'm a mid major guy, but like I, I'm. I'm team portal because I'm team in favor of, of an athlete, like having control over their own career, you know, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, man, that sucks for, and I'll just insert a school here. That sucks for Eastern Michigan who identifies a guy, no one else is on that they've evaluated and they offer him a scholarship and they get him to campus and they sign that guy and they develop him and bam, he has a great freshman year. and Now he's with Kentucky. Or, or something yeah. like you know, it's a bummer. It really is. Well, we did two names we mentioned, right? Waldrop and and Dollander weren't they both at Southern Miss? Um, Waldrop was at Southern Miss. Dollander was at South Georgia or Georgia Southern, whatever. Uh, yeah, Georgia the, Southern yeah. schools with Southern in their name. I can't keep. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. But, Georgia. But, yeah, you come out and you blow up, and it's not rare for a freshman to blow up. Sometimes guys just grow into their bodies. It's the yeah. Verlander or whatever, you know, like. He was uh -huh. like 88 as a high school senior, and he's 99 as a freshman. Uh, but yeah, that that is a bummer. Uh, but then you know, there's some really unique portal stories, like the kid I, I'm forgetting his name, the kid who was at Purdue, the lefty, Joe Whitman, and then yeah, and then hopped over to Kent State, which is not, I don't think that's really uh, you know moving up in the world. But suddenly he like he just got put everything together and he's blown up this year. So that's it's good for guys like that. Yeah, and now he might be a first rounder. Like Whitman might be a first rounder. At, at this yeah, point. I heard he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's doing pretty well out in the Cape, right? Which is yeah. another interesting wrinkle in the last couple of years where you can <laughs> go to the Cape before the draft. <laughs> he's he's already done on the Cape. Like I know his agent pretty well. He did. He threw once, was unbelievably good, and was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, see you at the combine, fellas, or whatever it was. Like he pulled, pulled, the, pulled the George Costanza. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, the the combine I think comes up this week. I don't know. Uh, is it in Arizona? I think it's here? in Arizona. Yeah. It's at Chase Field. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you would have any reason to go out there. There's probably all sorts of prep stuff happening too. Yeah. Uh, I'll be at Chase some... in a, in two weeks, anyways, or three weeks, anyways, because that's what we're doing PG National this year. So oh, nice. We'll be, we'll be out there anyways. Yeah. We, somebody in our Discord was talking about they they you know, saw a bunch of kids playing at uh, down at Roger Dean in, in Jupiter, and I was yeah. like, I don't know what's going on. I, I underclassmen. I don't know what's happening, but there's always stuff going on down there. There's plenty of upper class yeah. going on right now. It's it's like it's only up here where high school just ended. You know, oh, like yeah. a lot of the rest of the country has been playing travel ball for three weeks already. So, oh, <laughs> it never it really doesn't ever stop, man. Like, no. uh, I, I don't when I was a kid, I don't remember travel baseball being much of a thing at all. But uh, I, it wasn't when I was a kid. I'm you know you're not much older than me, but you're older than me. Like I worked. 
we're working our way back. It was, it's been the last 10 years that it's become this become, you know, what it is now. My, uh, my son's one of my son's best friends. He's uh, he's nine, just went mm-hmm. down to Indiana for a baseball tournament this weekend. They, they played, uh, they won a couple times. They had the, the finals today in Indiana, lost to the best team in Indiana. Sure. But, uh, yeah. They're nine. And he's playing yeah. up like they're, you know, 10 year old, but still it's, it's been a while, but. I don't know. Just sound like an old man, I guess, talking about stuff like that. It's, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> identifying these kids, uh, you know, I, they do it in Europe. They've been doing it in Europe for years, right? For the soccer players, like yeah. they get these kids immediately when they're like, you know, like, oh, he's got a future, and uh, they do it because it's probably worth something to them. But yep. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we can. You know, you were on uh, the the what's the Days of Roar podcast with with Mark and, and Evan the other day, and that was great. And uh, you know, we always love having you on. And, and one thing I, I wanted to do, I, we, we have to touch on the top of the guys because the Tigers have the, the top of the class. Tigers have the third pick. We got to touch on them. But of course, you know, you know so much and your depth and breadth of knowledge is this. That I, I, one of the things I wanted to focus on after that was kind of it feels like a really deep infield class, and particularly mm-hmm. with prep infielders. It feels it reminds <laughs> me a little bit of a couple of years ago, 21, I think it was with yep. without the high end of uh, Marcelo Meyer and, and Jordan Lawler, but still like. You know, that, that class was super deep with guys like Carson Williams and Jackson Merrill and Max Muncy and Isaac Pacheco and all those dudes. And it reminds me of that a little bit. So we're going to – we have no idea if the Tigers are going to take high schoolers mm-hmm. in that, you know, second, third pick. But I figured that seems to be like a, a strength of the class. So we'll, we'll dip into that a little bit after this. But since the Tigers have a top three pick, we got to discuss those top three guys. And uh, we'll start tippy-top, I guess, with, with Dylan Cruz. Um, what do you think of him? <laughs> Hey, man, I think he's really good. Like, <laughs> there we go. And signing off, uh, thanks for having me. Like, yeah, it's um, – but he's – it's like a uh, – it's so hard in any sport to go wire to wire in a cycle as the guy. You know, yeah. everybody's got a the guy for the next NFL draft. It's Caleb – whoever it is, Caleb Williams. Everyone's got a the guy for the next NBA draft on the eve of the draft before it, you know, we always have the year, two years out, whatever. It's really hard to go from that point to the draft the following year and just have one guy be the guy the whole time. The only other time it's happened in my career was Rutschman. So, you know, and and like that was a draft class that had Bobby Witt and Riley green and, and so many other talented players like Corbin Carroll, you know, whatever it was. Um, and Rutschman went wire to wire as, as number one. This is the dude. It didn't happen with Torque. It didn't happen with Mize. It didn't happen with, you know, any of the other guys in between. This year, though, it's been Dylan Cruz at the top of the 23 class since he said he was not going to be in the draft in, like, March of 2020. 2020. Yeah. You know, so it's been over three years that this guy has been the guy. And when you're the guy, you are under the biggest microscope possible. We are looking for any reason at all to ding you we're trying to find some reason to say that you're not as good as we thought you were six months ago or whatever i'm still looking I'm still <laughs> yeah looking. that's you know it's funny i remember going and looking because they said I, I think the first college home run for dylan cruz was off paul Skeens. Paul Skeens, yeah. <laughs> when he was with air force yeah. and you can see a comment right under that in the first video and it's from alex bregman and it says one one twenty twenty three. Like, hey, that's fun all yep. around. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, guys like you who are like in in the business and, and you do this for a living don't typically like to make comps mm-hmm. uh, because you know that it's a foolish game or whatever, and there's lots of bad things. But you probably hear a lot of comps, and that's yeah. one of the, one of the strange things. I I can't 
think of many comps for Dylan Cruz. It's I don't know why, but it's, I haven't it's, heard one. It's a real yeah. It, that's I don't think it's going to scare anybody, but it's just like, huh? Who is this? Um, it's I, who you know, like you're you're you got to start when you're talking about a guy that the top of the class. Like, let's start with what he can't do because that list is going to be a lot shorter than what we think he can do. Right there, you go. What can't Dylan Cruz do? Probably not in like a seven glove in center. Okay. Mm-hmm. Probably won't hit 40 bombs a year. Yeah. End of list. Well, yeah, I guess you would also <laughs> probably also not going to like gonna steal you like 30, 40. Right. Bags okay. Whatever, yep, yeah. yep. Yep. You're right. Yep. That's one I forgot. Probably not going to steal 30 plus bags. Probably not going to yeah. steal 20 plus bags. We can yeah. even go there. But yeah, a little bit of everything else. Sticking yeah. in center, at yep. least in pro ball, they're going to try him, right? He may Absolutely. end up in with a better defensive center fielder, but yep. he can play it. Yep. Uh, they said the same thing about Riley Green, right? Like, oh, he's going to have to move to a corner and, and like, hey, just keep playing him. I thought yeah. I would, I will, I'll comp to that too. Like, I thought Riley would have to move to a corner too. I said, in fairness, like down the road. Yeah. Like, you know, but I still thought, like, he's been better than I even thought he was going to be, just defensively. But, well, yeah, yeah, beyond, yeah. So, with him though was also the size right he was like six three and, and you're like oh he's gonna grow and get a big donkey of a dude and hit a bunch of home runs but uh yeah he, he's credit to him for staying in, in you know shape enough to play center field no but, doubt yeah so so Cruz, you know it seems like there's basically two scenarios Cruz goes one or the pirates try to do something fun with money right um right and i don't even really want to like speculate about it all because who the hell knows <laughs> but it feels like like you said, he's wire to wire, been the guy forever. If you're the Pirates, just take the guy, right? Take like that seems like the, and they have the, the bonus pools are so enormous now. And, and the top overall pick, you don't have to give them. I mean, I'm sure the agent will pull, push for as much as possible, but you can give them more than Torque, give right. them more than whoever had the highest. And and yeah, I think you can both be happy with that. You still have some money left over. We know the Pirates like to play around with the money, but yep. Uh, Speaking of that, Henry Davis, big leaguer today, right? Speaking of that's right, money, yeah, yeah, promoted. Yeah. We, uh, I was just uh, Raj and I went up to to Erie with for their first home series, and they were playing at that time Altoona. Mm-hmm. Altoona was just just chock full of. It was weird. There were like a bunch of thirty year olds on the team, and the double like Domingo Leva was on that team. Former Whoa. Tigers, great. It's a name um, from the past, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they had they had Henry Davis. They had him catch. He catch caught all of the night game, and then the next day he caught eight innings of. A blowout day game, and I was like, yeah. "Wow, they're really you know working them hard, trying to his catching." And his catch was okay. Yeah, he's just like what stands out. We're sitting right behind home plate, and he's just just a thousand percent muscle. His legs were like bursting out of his pants. I'm like, oh man! And so yeah, they've been playing him in the outfield a lot, and I I think they just really want you know, I'm sure they'll catch him a little bit, but they just want the bat, and yeah. I don't blame them because it's a pretty good bat. It's it's really patient, lots of power. I don't know if he's going to hit. 280 or whatever but i sure. think you'll hit enough uh so yeah that, that's cool first overall pick making it up in two years yeah two years that's what you want right yeah you know like For that's sure. how it's kind of how it should go you take a college guy first he should be ready pretty quick you know I, yeah that's the hope yeah I, um but uh, all right so we can we can move on from dylan cruz he's really good he's really we good we'll, we'll quote <laughs> you on that um you know a lot of people got to see paul schemes pitch yesterday yes. which is when you watch him you're like oh boy i really like I wouldn't mind having that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just, you know, just sitting 99. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll bump it up to 102. 
He threw 46 pitches of 100 or more. Like he sat 100. Like I, I, the averages are, he sat 99.6 or whatever. Like yeah. he sat 100 for a start. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely insane. Like there are a handful of pitchers in the world, right? Like, yep. like Hunter Green and like maybe Otani and, and yeah. Roki Sasaki. And that's it. Uh, There's DeBrown, the healthy DeBrown, maybe, but yeah. Um, you know, and I find myself getting greedy as watching. I'm like, I'd really like to see him throw a slider here. Let's let's see that change up. But then, then I go, oh no, just just throw a hundred and, and get out of this just, and win for your team. Dot a hundred and one. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's one of the biggest things with him is it just seems so free and easy. Like he, there's you see some guys throwing a hundred. Like yeah, I get it because you're throwing your entire body into it. And this, this is just a big dude who's under control and, and throwing. So I know it's it's one of those things. Like it, it seems like he's been attached to the Nats for a long time in this draft just be you know he gets this Strasburg comps and it's like yep the Nats probably need some pitching help but uh mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know we hear those rumors though that if he doesn't go in the top two that the Tigers might pass on him anyway because I guess they don't I mean that's the, the knock on anybody right is he's just a pitcher like he's a better yeah yeah and we've seen what happened with like like Strasburg right greatest mm-hmm. pitching prospect of all time uh had a couple really high highs you know World Series MVP, I think he was, wasn't he? Yep. And uh, and still had a, a solid career, but a lot of injuries. And mm-hmm. who knows if he's ever coming back now. It doesn't sound good, which is a real bummer. Uh, I don't know. I don't think the Nats regret that pick. No. but it's. A, I saw this. I think Carlos Colazzo was actually the one who, who put it on Twitter a couple of days ago or something. Like someone commented, we were talking about skeins and the risk and blah, 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 blah. And Someone said something like, well, you know, the Nationals have to regret what they did, given that Strasburg didn't give them any longevity. And I'm pretty sure it was Carlos who was like, well, I mean, I don't know, like five top three Cy Young Award years plus a a Cy Young plus, you know, a World Series plus. I'd imagine he like that's pretty good, you you know. (laughs) They they may regret the extension they gave. Sure, sure. But But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. (laughs) It, overall, that's one of the better first overall picks of all time. Yes. Really, I mean, people just yes. have these these sky high expectations for who the first overall pick is going to be, or and a guy with that much hype. But yeah, I think you take if you're the Tigers and you said you're going to get exactly what Strasburg did for the Nats, you're going to get from Skeens. I think they go okay, great, great. Say, but oh, we have an ace for like the next yeah. six years. Dope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but you get the feeling that that Scott Harris and company they probably have basically just a, just an inversion to taking any arm mm-hmm. and it's like it's kind of like that money ball thing like do we believe in this or not are we like are we going to make a special exception for this guy because he looks so good or are we just going to stick to this and not take a picture up top? i don't know we'll see what happens but uh it does feel like he's probably not going to the tigers right so that which brings us to white langford who is i think kind of the guy that tigers fans have been circling for most of the process because he's been that third guy for most of the process but boy he's pretty good too yeah he is uh, you could make the argument that he'll flash you tools that are louder than that of Cruz. Like he'll hit balls farther and run faster than Cruz in terms of sprint speed. Um, now, does that apply in any sort of like tangible production way? I don't know. Maybe. Like maybe Langford's a guy who's going to steal a few more bases than Cruz, but I think they have similar chances to play center. And yeah. Langford's the one who's not playing center in pro ball right now, like or excuse me, in college ball. Cruz yeah. is. Cruz has played every day in center field for three years or whatever. Langford would need to make that switch. Yeah, and that's one of those things where it's it's you assume 
that he's going to get tried in pro ball at center mm-hmm. for a while. Um, but it's it's maybe one of those things where like, hey, you know what? Eventually, we know he can play the corner. Yep. The bat is is coming along fine. Let's not you know go through the growing pains of playing center. It behooves a team to try, but you do have to wonder like, all right, why is he not playing center in, in college? Mm-hmm. You know, Florida has tons of talent. They've got is it Robert Robertson I think this year, and before that, mm-hmm. Fabian. So really good center fielders. Yep. But you'd think they try him. He, he's played a handful of games up center this year, but he's mostly getting left and doing fine. But but yeah, like the hit, the power, the speed—they're all pretty enticing there. Yeah, and now he's a guy that that I kind of forced a like a Randy Rosa trainer comp on him. I was like, okay, I can I can I can figure out a cop here. Like just a really tooled up guy who, for whatever reason, isn't playing in center. Yeah, uh, and but he'll go out there and hit you twenty plus bombs and maybe steal you twenty bases if he gets. The, that's the other thing. Like the speed's there, but he hasn't really been no. using it on the base paths. And I don't know if that's instincts or if it's you know Sully and the boys kind of. Uh, Sure. Just just hold them back a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think the common refrain you hear, right, is that in, in a normal year, you know, he might go 1-1. Yep. It just so happens that there's two, you know, you know players of the decade right ahead yep. of him. So you're right. Um, you're right. It speaks yeah. to the it speaks to the class, like the top half of the class or not even the top half, the top tier of the class. We're talking about multiple guys who, well, in a different year, we'd be 1-1. Like, OK, good. Like that's we're starting in a good spot. You know, we're talking about the class at large, but I mean, I think like right now it's June 18th. I I might feel differently in three weeks or whatever, you know, depending on how the chatter goes and whatever. But I would be really surprised if it doesn't go cruise schemes right now. And then, yeah, Tigers should have their pick of Langford or if they want to be weird. You know, that that should be what's going to like that. That's the most likely outcome right now anyways. Yeah, no, there you know, there's been a lot of discussion about them. You know, they were their the brass is on hand to watch Kyle Thiel a couple times, the, mm-hmm. the catcher from Virginia. And he's a really good player, really good prospect, but it, it does feel like if they did that, boy, that's awfully risky. I mean, it's all you know, whatever. It's it, everything's risky, but they'd be doing that to, to really play some games with the money, yes. which is always a bit of a gamble. Although, and maybe we can use this to to roll into the next section. Um we could talk a Max Clark, Walker, Walker Jenkins, Kyle Teal, all that stuff. But, um, and you know, people can hear that from you. You're going to get asked that a thousand times before the draft starts, I think. So <laughs> just look for Brian on other podcasts and you'll hear it. Um, Max yeah, Clark is really good. So is Walker yeah. Jenkins. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, they're both. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> not a normal draft, they might, yeah. you know, go, go top overall. Uh, but the Tigers also pick, I believe, 37th and 45th. And, and as I was mentioning earlier, this just seems like a really strong class. We're kind of prep infielders. Yes. Uh, maybe even college infielders, too, to be honest. Uh, so I was just curious if, uh, you know, I, I had written down a whole bunch of names that I thought might be there in that range. You never know the bonus pools and, and who's got what demands and whatever. But uh, so I don't know if I'll throw out some names for you sure. and, and see if you can comment on them. And then uh, at the end, I'll let you, you know, mention some guys that you might want to. So we'll start with Colt Emerson out of Ohio. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about him? Not going to be there. Um, Fair enough. Gotcha. <laughs> I just I say that I love Colt Emerson. Man. Cover my bases. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I wish he was. I hope if they get weird at three, then that's the guy they float. Like you know, mm-hmm. um, I think he can really hit. It's a good left-handed swing. He uses the whole field. 
Um, saw him start to come into some power last summer with Wood, which was one of the things mm-hmm. we were wanting to see, obviously. Maybe, maybe not a shortstop, more of like a smooth mover than he is like twitchy, you know, lateral gotcha. agility like that. I think maybe third or second is more likely, but really like the left-handed bat, he's hit along every stop of the way. He's a Team USA guy, like he's played on all these high-profile things and hit when he's done so. So I like I, if he were a grade more athletic, we'd have to be talking about him in the top 10, top 15 gotcha. picks, but because of, okay, well maybe he's not a shortstop and a little bit down the board, but really confident in the hit tool there. Yeah. And uh, teams take hitters. Uh, yeah. Pretty, teams take pretty hitters. quickly. So, yep. um, yeah. It, like some of these names are, like you said, they're probably not going to be there. I know George Lombard jr. Has been sure. climbing up boards. Yep. Now the Tigers have an in there possibly. They do. They do. But uh, uh, what can you tell us about him? That's a name I would keep in the back of your mind. At 37 or 45, like I just literally would. It, it makes a lot of sense given the connections. And George Lombard Jr. is also a pretty good controller of the strike zone. So it makes sense uh-huh. in terms of profile too. And, you know, that's the range too for him too in that range. So I, he had one of the best like three-day playoff stretches at the WWBA I've ever seen last summer. And like, I know that that doesn't make a player, but he was like, 11 for 12 across three games with like four doubles, three triples, three bombs, and like four walks. And it was a little bit of a smaller park. You know, some of the pitching he saw in those games weren't fantastic. There's a lot of mitigating factors there, but like to watch a dude have a a heater like that for three days is it's tough to get out of your head. And so like, I think athlete up the middle somewhere, chance at short, good chance at short Mm -hmm. um, with, good feel to hit and it's you know I, it, the power's not quite there yet but i think he's got the body for it i think it'll come his, he's got a younger brother who's really good too who's bigger That's than he heard, is yeah. Yeah, 2026 <laughs> kid so like I, and obviously like you look at dad you know gonna have some power in that frame mm-hmm. at some point or another so i i would watch that one closely at, at one of their next two picks yeah, it's, that's exciting for Tigers fans. I just kind of kind of hope that uh, they they say like, yeah, we're not signing anywhere but Detroit. But, right, uh, right. Who knows? Um, let's see. Who else we got? We got we got. Uh, let's go with Rock. I assume it's Rock. Rock. Yeah, Rock, Rock Chalowski. Chalowski. Yeah, yeah. Son of a scout. Um, his dad's an area guy out in the Four Corners. Uh, has the like you'd say son of a coach normally, but he kind of has that like advanced feel for the game that like son gotcha. of a coach would have. So it's son of a scout. It's the same thing for me, but. Um, yeah, really good defender, like a high level defender. It's not, there's not a lot of juice there yet. He's kind of still long and, and lanky in terms of his build. I wouldn't call him skinny, but lanky still. Um, but yeah, it, it's talented up the middle. I think he's a shortstop for sure. Long-term, um, it's solid hit tool right now, but it's more of a, like, you're kind of projecting on the bat a little further out than you would with some guys, just because you're not really seeing the impact yet. Uh, but he's got the frame to to come into some more strength. He's got the swing path that would tell me that he's going to be able to drive some balls out eventually. But right now it's very much like singles over the infielders heads on a, which is not bad. I'm not criticizing yeah. that, but you know, once we start seeing a backspin some balls out and, and this, that, and the other thing, then we can be more confident on the power. But yeah, man, I, I don't know if he's going to sign. Um, I think that one's going to be a pretty tough sign, but either way, like talented glove, infielder with some pedigree think it would be a good pick in that range i'm looking to see where he's he's committed to ucla ucla yeah, sometimes yep. they get their guys yep. sometimes they get their guys sometimes. um let's see well so here, here's a kid that uh you've seen him in a couple of mocks in detroit just because of the range walker martin out of colorado mm-hmm. 
was a, a bigger hitter, I would think, or, or at yeah. least taller. Yeah. Tall. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. He's also a really freaky athlete. Um, he's like one of the maybe the highest testing load in sports athlete for a player of his build. Um, they mm-hmm. break when they do their testing, they break you down by build. So like gotcha. large, skinny, large, bur- whatever, whatever it is, there's a lot of different categories. Um, so for his, he's like off the charts in terms of his athletic ability. He's old for the class. So we'll find out if that matters to Harris or not. I don't know if it will, but he's mm-hmm. notably old for the class, but it's huge left-handed power with athleticism. And he's a big dude. Um, you know, maybe he's big enough to where the, or maybe he's athletic enough to where his size will still allow him to play short. I think it's probably a third baseman either way, but left-handed hitting third baseman with power, man, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm trying to compare to recent Tigers drafts. Like that's the Pacheco profile, right? Gotcha. Martin's a better athlete with more production, more now production. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's enticing. He was a guy who kind of I don't know if he popped up this year, but he's definitely been like a, a riser. It seems like um, last summer was his kind of like, Oh, what do we got here? You know, like once the testing started coming out with him, like once teams started to realize that even with the on-field tools, there's this underlying stuff going on with him that, that works in his favor. And then he hit like 22 bombs this year in high school baseball or something ridiculous like that. So yeah, yeah it's been, it's been a steady rise for him over the last year. So he went out and had a, a Kristen Stewart. Uh, high school <laughs> super um, casual yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and then uh, and another guy that's I, I think has been rising a little bit but maybe i'm mistaken is sammy stapura mm-hmm. from is he from new york yep i think they usually that, that's not shocking usually there's a guy from the north who kind of pops up right senior there's, year. A, there's a bunch of arms up there too that yeah. are popping up or have popped up now that's good or whatever yeah nah and yeah. etcheveria um but hero wyatt in connecticut but but anyway sammy i big fan of sammy too He's such an easy mover, man. Like one of those dudes, you just watch him take infield and you're like, okay, like this, this is an athlete who belongs on this field here. You, you know, um, he was a guy who really blew up in Jupiter, had a, mm-hmm. had a, had a solid, but not like standout summer leading up to that was in Jupiter with the, uh, um, I remember the combo team who won the teams to join together and was playing short. Uh, I think he played a little second base. Him and AJ Ewing were up the middle on the same team. But um, yeah, man, like really like the athleticism, really like the hands, like the way the feet works, work, has the arm strength to play short. Um, I like the swing better than other guys do. There's some who say it's it's not that great of a swing. I, I think it's awesome. Um, power is there. It's more of a power over hit right now, which is not necessarily a bad thing because I think there's hit there too. It's just this spring he put more of an emphasis on driving balls out to try and get more attention, I think. But uh, yeah, man, I, he's really good too. You're, you're talking, you're going to hear me say he's really good. This is a very strong prep <laughs> infield class. Like I've said this on a bunch of different podcasts, like the strength of this class is the top of the top tier. And then it's prep bats, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, you know, I'm, I'm, using you as a terrific resource for this because you know, you're, you're one of the best there is, but it's yeah, like, you know, the Tigers might go out and take three college bats. We don't know. They might go, yeah. yeah they might go take two, two prep pitchers afterward. I don't know. This is, I just figured it was the strength of the class. So I, yep. I, I you know, yep. hit you with it. Uh, there was another uh, kind of a mover upwards early in the, in the season. Cause he's a Florida kid that we talked about back in the day, back in the day, about three months ago in uh, Adrian Santana. I haven't mm-hmm. really kept up with, see if he's, they stayed on that plane or, or what, what's yeah. going on with him? Yeah, still a, the, kind of the exact opposite of Walker Martin. Um, he's super young for the grade. He's smaller, kind of a slender kid. 
Uh, really good athlete who is unquestionably a shortstop. Probably the best infield glove in the prep class, I would say. Um, really good shortstop, really good hands, really good short area quickness. The arm is plus. It's It was a light stick last summer. Mm-hmm. It was a light stick. It was not that he struggled to make contact. It was that he struggled to make impactful contact. Um, it wasn't an overwhelming amount of swing and miss or anything like that. It was just a lot of choppers, you know. Mm-hmm. And so this spring, and he does play at a little bit of a smaller high school field, so the home run numbers were a little bit inflated. But even aside from that, was getting the ball in the air more, was doing so with backspin, was kind of getting the barrel out in a way we hadn't seen before, um, was was driving balls pull side, was putting balls up the opposite field gap. So even if you say, oh, well, he hit nine home runs, it really would have been seven. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Like the results were different, and that's kind of mm. what we were looking for anyways. So I would imagine that his pre-draft workouts with teams where they're going to get him on track, man, and see what the exit data really looks like right now. Like that's what's going to determine where he goes, but it may be as high as 20. And mm. then it could be into this range that we're talking about with the tigers. He's kind of all over the board, but his age really like, he's, yeah. you know, he's going to be 17 and for a while after the draft. So like that, you know, shoot that guy up probably. Just like a, like a classic Cleveland pick from. Sure does. Yeah. Sure um, does. He's a switch, switch hitter too, right? Yeah. yeah. So yep. like the, the versatility there, I get a couple more here. Uh, Cooper Pratt. Mississippi, mm-hmm. I believe, and then Eric Batanti from California. I think you can wipe Pratt off the board, man. I've heard he is going to school. Oh, uh, gotcha. You know, I, I don't think he's pulled his name out or anything like that, but like, dude from Oxford, Mississippi, like he's going to play at Ole Miss. Yeah. You know, we can write that one down. Um, Gray Kessinger, Thomas Dillard of old high school gotcha. guys who had who had some hype, but they went to Oxford High School, so they, they were going to school, man. Um, he, I like Pratt a lot. I just I, he's kind of come, like been put out of my mind a little bit just because Basically, of yeah. he's going to go to school. But uh, Batanti, a diff, another one, an interesting one. He's a very polarizing one. He's one that nobody seems to have a, a real strong, like I'm right opinion about uh, on that guy. It's been inconsistent. It's been up and down when it flashes. It's a gorgeous Adonis looking young for the grade left-handed hitting third baseman who, is an athlete with arm strength and monster juice mm-hmm. that goes away for a long, for long stretches though. So, you know, it, it's kind of your typical hit or miss young, raw high school guy, but like it's left-handed hitting third baseman with athleticism and power and he's young and he's big and like so many things you want to love there. But I, for me, just me personally, like I don't, I, if I were returning in a report to the team, I'd be like, I need to see this guy go to college or something like that. Yeah, I think I was watching just a couple of weeks ago. I was watching the the All American game, and I thought he played pretty well in that, which is always mm-hmm. leaves an impression. But then, yeah, like you know, the, the scouts are actually out there watching him at every event instead of just the the one on TV. He's um, uber uber talented, man. Like, there's no denying that. It's there's so many boxes that are just like, oh, check, 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 mm-hmm. check, check. You know, and it's like it's it's really only if you watch him for extended periods of time where you're like, okay, well you know, this is maybe a little bit rawer than I thought it was or something like that, but that's not to say he won't be an all-star. I, it just, I'm not, I'm less sure on that one is all. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, that was like kind of the handful of guys I had uh, picked out for you, but I don't know if there's anybody that that I failed to mention, anybody you think is, is worth mentioning in that uh, last kind of phylum of draft prospects. Let me pull up the old board here, see what we got as go. far as guys who, uh, there's, there's that, uh, might be Zanatello kid with this, like the more Z's in his name than, yeah. Uh, He's a he's a third baseman, I think, or maybe a center fielder. Um, really good athlete, 
had a big spring, did a lot of the things we were waiting for him to see, or we were waiting to see from him, excuse me, this spring, um, in terms of the power and the consistency at bat to at bat in terms of making hard contact. So he's flying up in a big way. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in that range right around where the mm-hmm. Tigers are. Uh, Miles Naylor is another one maybe to talk about. Um, Canadian kid, obviously the brother of, of Josh and Bo. Very uh-huh. different player from the other two. This guy's a, a shortstop. He's a right-handed hitting shortstop. So he's, excuse me, shockingly different than his brothers. But it's it's similar, like, massive juice. Uh, nice. I was up in Ontario about a month ago to watch a bunch of those guys play, and he hit a ball, one of the furthest home runs I've ever seen any amateur hit, like, inclusive wow. of college. Just 480 feet, like, onto a berm <laughs> or something ridiculous. Um You know, I've seen him enough to be confident in the fact that I think he's going to hit. I don't know how much probably third base for me because it's a seven mm-hmm. arm when he lets it rip too nice. but yeah i mean I, you could put that one in there too I, I think he's all over the place in terms of his range he's another one of those guys where the private workouts have gone extremely well like the exit data is off the charts so he's kind of behind the scenes a little bit climbing up nice um but yeah would just wanted to throw that name in there too that's yeah that's a good one because i haven't really paid much attention now we, we went and saw denzel clark a bunch last year who i yeah. think is a nailer cousin yeah, something like that. Like, yeah. like, oh man, look at this dude. <laughs> Those ones, the Ontario he's... Blue Jays stick together, man. Like, yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah so that's good athletes. Uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. We uh, there's there's you know a thousand players we can mention, but sure. uh, one thing I did want to let you do is I know how much you love JUCO guys. Hell yeah! Is uh, give me some of your favorite JUCO players in this draft, and then I'll let you go. Um, Christian Apor, we gotta we gotta talk about him. Um, that I name know. sounds familiar to me. He's draft and follow guy last year from Oakland, gotcha. who is now too good to sign for what the draft and follow would let him sign for. So nice. he's going to, I would imagine, go back into the draft and be eligible again this year. Went to Gulf Coast State. He's a freshman. It is very, very raw, but he's still just 18. Like he's young. He was a year young for the grade out of high school. Uh, it's like up to 98, left handed, super, super easy. Um, if you remember Antoine Kelly from Wabash a couple of years ago, who was a second rounder, uh, Brewers, I think took him yep. big, tall lefty Juco arm. Yeah. It's kind of similar. It's, it's different operationally. It doesn't look the same, but it's similar in terms of like Juco dude does it super easy, huge fastball, like very crude. Um, so it's a big arm. I'd love to get into the tiger system. I really would, but I don't know how much they're going to pay for that amount of rawness and that amount of, of limited strike throwing at times too. So, but got to mention him. Um, you got to mention Sam Antonacci. He's a oh, shortstop from Heartland. Antonacci. That's right. <laughs> Wait, Heartland. Where is that? Illinois. All right. Gotcha, sir. Yep. Make Heartland sure. in, in Illinois. Um, not Heartland, Michigan. Fair uh, D one softball state champions. I saw <laughs> shouts out to Heartland. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, who are we talking about? I think I just lost it talking about Heartland. Uh, Antonacci. Oh, Antonacci, excuse me. Yeah, he was. he's probably the best Juco bat in this class. And Juco bats are historically very, very tough to evaluate because you can evaluate a Juco pitcher on his data, and it's really hard to evaluate a Juco hitter on his data because he may see one good pitcher all year. But um, he's doing well. I think he's on the Cape, and I think he's mm-hmm. playing well there. It's maybe not a shortstop, but, but really, really – excellent hitting tools he runs he steals bases he's you know it could be a guy uh committed to coastal carolina if he goes there and blows up then he'll be a second rounder next year or whatever but uh yeah i mean those two like i it's not a huge year for jc the portal has kind of killed 
the first rounder Juco guy, I think, for the time being anyways. I think the portal's kind of killed that. You won't see Jackson Rutledge happen in the age of the portal. Just saw him pitching for or against Erie yesterday. How's he look? Two days ago. Uh, Colt Keith took him, took him deep. So, oh yeah. <laughs> but other other than that, he was all right. Um, <laughs> Still huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I Brian, I appreciate it. I, there were a couple questions. Yeah, I've been kind of pushing them off to the side, but I'll, I'll get to them now if you don't mind. No, not please. a ton, but it, it was like uh, Dan wanted to know if, if Langford is a better hitter than Kyle Teal. Is Wyatt Langford a better hitter than Kyle Teal? I would say that Kyle Teal has a slightly better hit tool, but I would say that Wyatt Langford is significantly more overall offensively impactful. That's my answer. There you go. Higher OPS, more power, basically. Yes. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's a, a bigger, more muscular dude. I think he's yeah. kind of more like lithe and athletic. Um, trying to see if there was any, I think that might actually been a bit in the chat. I'm looking. Shouts out to lots, Dan. Lots, Yep. <laughs> yeah. Lots of comments. Uh, please ask Brian to compare Langford and Teal as hitters. Oh, he just did it. I yeah. just did it. Uh, Teal's left-handed, gap to gap, to gap, high contact guy, knows the zone. Um, Langford is not a free swinger or anything, but like will swing and miss a little bit more than Teal. But Langford hits the ball way further and way harder more often. So we got a question from Connor. I, uh, he said, where are Purify and Service going in the draft? Um, I don't think either. Um, I just, just off the top of my head, like, I think that both are going to go to school. Um, Jaron had a great spring. Well, they both had great springs, first of all, but Jaron kind of answered some questions that we had, like young kid, athlete, play shortstop, really good defender, hit tool, blah, 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 blah. Need to see him get better, need bigger, need to see him get stronger, need to see him hit more balls out. Did those things. Had a good spring. I think he hit eight or nine bombs this spring. Uh, was hitting balls harder than I've ever seen him hit before, which is what you're supposed to do. And I, you know, I just, I think he's probably going to end up in school. I, I don't know if anybody has him in a, in a high enough range for him to want to sign in that range and, and service too. Like he's going to go to Texas. Like, I, I don't know if service, they've both been turned in. I just don't know if anybody's turned them in high enough to where it would make sense for them to not go to Clemson or ten, Texas. That's all. But service first, I was there for his first at bat of the year. He hit a ball 400 feet to the parking lot at St. Mary's. On the very first pitch, on the very first pitch he saw of the season, um, and he had a good year too, man. Like has made real improvements behind the plate. Um, he's always been a good athlete, but now he's kind of channeling that athleticism better behind the plate. Now that he's gotten more uh, confident back there and, and had more reps and uh, throws well, and, and that power showed up in a big way this spring. I, I think he's got to get better at hitting breaking balls, but so do every so does every high school player. But I, I love them both. I think they're both really good. Yeah, and for people who, who don't know who we're talking about here, uh, it's Jaron Purifies from what, Liggett, I think? They're both uh, Liggett guys. Yep. Oh, okay, both, both Liggett. Um, yeah, which, uh, you're the upsets in, in Michigan High School, Michigan uh, baseball, right? Didn't, so they, many. Yeah. It's they broke the streak. They broke the St. Mary's streak, ended it, and then did not have a great regular season because they play in that Catholic League. So, yeah. you know, unless you're world beaters, you're going to lose a bunch of regular season games, and they did. But then they marched all the way through the the state playoffs to get to the state championship game in Division Two, and Grand, Rap- Grand Rapids Christian beat them two to one yesterday. But it was still yeah. a good season for Liggett, like however you, you want to slice it. Yeah, I mean, sure, it's it's tough for the kids, uh, you know, for anybody in a, in a team sport. It's you know, you get that far, you get that close, and God, those poor kids on Texas. <laughs> oh God, the, 
They gave against Stanford. Oh, oh God. Or Arkansas um, a couple years ago. Oh, drop against up. Oregon State. My yes. goodness. Yep. Yes. That yep. was, uh, yeah, that was underclassman Rushman, I think, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, uh, who they had? They had the Abel kid. It was. Yep. Kevin. Kevin yeah. Abel. It was. They also Kevin. had Luke Heimlich. Oh, that's right. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, is he off in uh, Japan minor leagues with, with Trevor Bauer? Right now? I, don't I don't know, know what happened with Luke Heimlich. He there's a funny story. I won't name the org because like mm-hmm. you could draw the line, but like it's the Royals. No, no, no this okay, is a different story, different story. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but there was an org who whose area scout, like like as the tweet came out about the Heimlich situation, like as the news broke for the first time, this organization's area scout was literally in the middle of presenting the player to the draft room, like as they were doing oh. the draft meetings, and had like a huge makeup grade on it. Like, oh no, elite kid, yeah. like hard worker, makes his teammates better, everything, this, that, and the other thing under the sun. Sits down, and two of the other area guys who were sitting next to him just kind of leaned over and showed him on, showed him the tweet. And he was just like, oh no, like, <laughs> head and hands. Well, like, yeah, the, like, <laughs> but he never, he right. didn't get in trouble or anything, still gainfully employed as, as a, as a scout. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm not going to say who it was, obviously, but. Yeah, it was. That's a tough way um, to find out. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, you can do your makeup digs and, and everything, and you get nothing but good comments. But you never know, like that. Oh. Right? We're going completely off the rails here. But I was just. How watching, would you know? How would you I know? Was, yeah, I don't know. I was. I was watching uh, my buddy's house. We were watching the documentary on Jared from Subway, and it's like, oh no! Like, like imagine being a company and making this dude the face of your company, and then you find out that he's got this underground. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm going off the rails. Ryan, you give us plenty of time. I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, give some people, uh, you know, heads up on what, what's coming for PG. What, what do you guys got? Coming up? A lot of stuff coming, obviously, as we uh, rush down the track here towards the draft. Um, we always rank however many players there are that will be drafted. That's kind of our thing. So however many picks in the draft there are, that's how many players we rank for it. And then we write reports on every single one of those players for the draft. So <laughs> you will have... 600 plus uh, 616 it was one year i don't know what it is this year whatever you'll have that many draft reports to read from us um myself as well as the rest of the draft team at pg we'll have a couple mocks on the way um one at least two like one soon and then one the day of obviously uh plenty yeah plenty of stuff we're, we're rolling in a big way for 2024 and beyond right now um we have a guy who's on cape cod he's blowing up twitter tweeting about 2023s and 2024s from Cape Cod because MLB has screwed up the draft timing so badly that we have to scout both. So, uh, you know, <laughs> well, in the first we're year, trying to scout two classes is what we're doing. Yeah, but <laughs> Well, you know, like a couple of years ago, we were trying to watch the Futures game with Pork and Green while watching the draft. Like, yeah. This yeah. Seems, you're not doing this right. This, just no. your young players. this is wrong. Uh, yeah. But at least, at least they've got changed that to where. Uh, yes. Uh, how many rounds will Brian project? Well, they're, they're twenty rounds, so so that's. I was just looking to see what the what the I don't know they, I, I don't see the order past like the third or fourth round once the top picks get out there. But yeah, you're gonna you're looking at a lot of picks for sure. And it's it, like I said, yeah. if you guys if you're interested in the draft and somehow aren't following Brian, you really should because he's tweeting out information lightning quick about every single player who gets drafted. At least in the first few rounds, I, I think you. I don't know if you try to get them all in the late round. Then my too, fingers but... get tired. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> rest but, uh, rest assured that this is my solemn oath when it comes to the draft coverage. 
I got something on most everyone, even if it's not yeah. a full eval. I got something on most everyone. It's we don't get. It's usually like the sixth or seventh round until someone pops up I've never heard of, and it's a, it's a college senior I wouldn't have known about anyways yeah, from, or whatever. But always from uh, a college of arts and sciences or something. Yeah, like Oklahoma Arts and Sciences Coliseum University. I I don't know, <laughs> you know, like. Well, he was hurt though. He some scout saw a bullpen, and we decided to take him in the seventh round. Okay, well, how would I have known about that? Yeah, but, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's the Wilmer Flores. You know, had he been drafted, had that draft been longer, somebody would have taken Wilmer yeah. Flores. And it's like, what? Yep. Wilmer. All right. Um, yep. Who was it? It was, it was Evan Carter. Was kind of a shock, but I, I'm sure you had stuff on him. But it was like we didn't picture him in the first round. That was number one. That was like the really? first ever, like, or since my very early days. Like that was like the first time in this current stretch of draft process where it was like an early pick. And I was like, who? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, it's who? like, it's the closest you're going to get to like, a, like a tone ash scenario. Where like yes. you found this guy in the sugarcane fields. What? Dude. <laughs> and it's only because of COVID. That's the only reason. Cause guys who were hideouts never were found. If you yeah. know, you could hide guys out if you saw them early. Cause early was the only time we had to, to scout in the spring. So like yeah. it was, if you had a guy that nobody else knew about on March 1st, that you had a guy that nobody else knew about on, on yeah. July 1st, most of the time. And that's the only time it'll ever happen unless we have another pandemic. But, you know. Yeah. Well, we're going to hold out fingers, hope that doesn't happen. Fingers uh, Andrew Miller said, what's the website? Just oh, it's perfectgame.org. www.perfectgame.org. That's uh, click on the draft tab and, and you'll find all of our stuff there. All right, Brian. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Have a, have a good evening. Uh, Again, Brian Zikowski for Perfect Game, National Cross Checker, all your draft needs. Where I think we're going to try to get you on around the draft time too, but uh, you know, I know you're super busy and, and it, it just depends. So, anyway, thanks, man, and uh, you know, have a good rest of your evening. Appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you, sure. buddy. Yeah. See ya. See ya. All right. So now it's still just me. Uh, you know, the draft talk's gone away. It's not going to be quite as fun, but great to have Brian on. Like I said, you know, he's he's got a, a breadth of knowledge that not many can match. And it's uh, helps with with the draft and uh, just our luck that Tigers probably won't draft anybody we talked about there. But if they do, you can always come back to this and look and say, "Hey, that's what that's what to think about." But so now we're gonna you know switch gears, try to get get through the week that was in the Tigers minor league system. I know there's some earlier questions about that too that I'll try to go back and get. But I'm also gonna try to do this thing. <laughs> so Raj, you know he uh, he normally runs the whole show because he has all the setup, he has all the drops. He has all the various video accoutrements. And um, I'm trying to get the slides here that he puts together, right? You know, the little slides for each show. So what I'm going to try to do here is I'm going to try to share my screen. Um, sorry, yeah, just bear with me, guys, because I'm not sure what I'm doing. Let's see, settings, uh, visual. No, that's not what I want. But, uh, well, you know what? <laughs> you guys could just imagine it, I suppose. While I'm talking about this, if you want, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start up in Toledo with the Mud Hens, who actually went four and two this week against the High Valley. It was their first series win since mid-April when they beat Columbus, I think five to one. They've been on a, a really rough stretch of bad luck, if you will. And um, you know, and, and one of the things we talked about and what we noticed since the beginning of the year is. Basically, the team has gone as Parker Meadows and Justin Henry Malloy have gone. And wouldn't you know it, this past week, they played pretty well. Parker Meadows went 11 for 28 with three doubles and two homers, two walks and nine strikeouts, a few more strikeouts than you like to see, but it was an 11.47 OPS. That'll, that'll work. Um, 
And Justin Harry Malloy went eight for 25 with a triple and a home run, three walks, six strikeouts, and 913 OPS. You know, not the kind of the crazy numbers we've seen from Malloy, but, um, but you know, good enough to help him go forward too. And then they also got some backup from, from Andre Lipsius, who went seven for 21 with two doubles for 777 OPS. And then Joe Rizzo, one of the newcomers, has his kind of filled in nicely. You know, he was performing pretty poorly in the Marlins system, but he's come here and played well. Seven for 21, a double, a home run, 915 OPS last week. So the offense was there. And then they got some pitching from uh, <laughs> kind of helped to bring in some big leaguers, right? You got uh, you somebody as, as Michael Myers just finally got pitching with Google and Manning. It probably helped out. It's true, it did. Uh, we got Scoobal went three innings, one hit, five strikeouts. Manning, three innings, five hits, and one earned run in the rehab. You can watch Manning's uh, last start. We put it on on our Twitter account if you want to see his whole outing. And, you know, five hits doesn't sound great, but most of them were kind of bloops or seeing eye singles. He pitched pretty well in that game. So that was nice to see. And Bo Brisky pitched three times this week. Three games, 3.1 innings, one hit, two walks, three strikeouts. What they wanted to do. They had him go one game, then they wanted him to go and, and do a sit down, right? So pitch one inning, sit for uh, a half inning, then come back and pitch again, and he just hit his next out, and then they wanted to pitch him back to back, and they did that fine. So it wouldn't shock me if Bo Brisky is up in Detroit this week. He he looks fine. He's throwing ninety seven. Um, breaking ball is is still iffy, but the changeups there. So yeah, he looks good. And then we also had a pretty darn good week from Jack O'Laughlin, who, you know, we talked about this when they sent him from high A to triple A. You don't do that with prospects, generally speaking, right? You you do that with or guys. But I think O'Laughlin's somewhere in between that, where you know, I think they're still developing him as a prospect, but they also viewed him as a guy that maybe that jump wouldn't necessarily be harmful. You know, he might get beat around a little bit. If he does, it's no big deal. But so far, he's he's held his own. So, yes, it's, it's it's nice to see. Uh, and I expect there will be some promotions from Erie to Toledo here in the next week or so, next couple of weeks of, of arms. And Olafel will probably go down to Erie and, and fill in there for the rest of the year. But definitely encouraging to see him do that uh, for, you know, it's kind of uh, just an unexpected promotion. So good stuff there from Toledo. I don't know if anybody has any Toledo specific questions, if you want to throw them in here. Um, but uh, yeah, nice to see Toledo finally get back on the winning side of things uh, after, I don't know, six, seven consecutive series uh, where they, they either lost or tied. So we'll move on from Toledo then from to, to Erie. And I've seen a couple of questions stand in there about is the Erie, is their season coming, uh, coming, you know, it's the first half of, of the Eastern League season ending this week. And yes, it is. This is the final series of the first half. And right now, Erie's in pretty good position. They got a one and a half game lead over Akron. And I believe it's a two game lead over Altoona now. So that's good to see. I'm not trying to see that they're there. They went four and two against Harris, Harrisburg, and they're at Hartford for the next series. That Hartford Yard Goats, the uh, affiliate of, of the Rockies. So you really just gotta hope that they, you know, you go three and three, you got a good chance of winning. You got, uh, you know, you go four two, you're you're probably there. You just gotta go whole court here and hope that the pitching continues. Um, so we got Mitchell right here. I will show this question: Which Erie pitcher gets called up to Toledo first? It wouldn't shock me if we see Sawyer Gibson Long called up first. He's kind of the elder statesman in that group. 
He's pitched pretty well all year long. Uh, and we, we've heard that Scott Harris uh, likes him. Uh, you know, how much he likes him, I don't know. And the interesting thing about Gibson Long is he has just been dominant against right-handed hitters this year. I think the OPS was like 550 all season, but he was getting kind of beat up by left-handed hitters. It was like a 950 OPS. It was like a 400-point difference. And they actually held him out for a start to try to work on a cutter. Now, I've been watching the starts. I haven't seen it, really, but the numbers are still there. So if they feel like there's progress there, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if he gets bumped up. The other one, more, more likely candidate, would be uh, would Brent Herter, the lefty. Although he had a one of his worst outings of the year just the other day where he gave up, I don't want to say, four runs in the first inning and had to. They, he basically hit the pitch limit. They won't let guys throw more than 30 pitches. So he was done after one inning. But given his, his entire body of work in the first half, it wouldn't shock me at all if he gets bumped up. Uh, you know, honestly, you know, a lot of these guys, we can see them moving up. Wilmer Flores has been pitching much better of late. His, uh, this week he went six innings, one walk, six strikeouts. Uh, no runs, so that's that's good to see. And just in general, we talked about his stuff. I met with Jerry last week. His stuff has been getting better and better. But uh, so yeah, the whole pitching staff down there is pitching pretty well. Kader Montero, six innings, nine strikeouts. He he really, when he's on, he looks really good. He's had a couple of rough outings, but other than that, he's been great. Hi Madden wasn't strong again, but he's you know five and a third, three earned runs. Nothing to write home about. But he's not also getting blown up. He's just kind of been been. Stagnating, I guess that's the word I keep using from this year. It just kind of looks the same as he has for most of the season. Uh, but the pitching there remains strong, and the offense was pretty good this week. You know, they seem to love hitting down in, in Harrisburg. <laughs> Maybe it's they like being in the capital. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Diego Rincones is a guy we haven't talked about a ton this year. He was a minor league free agent. Got him from the San Francisco system. So we assume that that Scott Harris was familiar with him and liked him. But this week, he went 6-for-23 with three home runs. He had two all year coming into the season. Six RBI, 944 OPS. So he was providing both. You know, Two of those home runs came in one game. He, he was really giving him some pop lately. And he's a guy that I, I, I used to compare him to, like, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I called him Fat Harold Castro. And he's not fat. I just mean he's bigger. You know, Castro is a smaller guy because uh, he doesn't really take a lot of walks. But he also doesn't strike out a lot. He just he swings the bat, puts the bat on the ball. And he looks like a guy who could hit 30-plus home runs just in his build, but it doesn't work out that way. I think it uh, swings too much. But great week for him. Good to see. Dylan Dingler had a terrific week. Six for 14, a home run, four RBIs, four walks, five strikeouts. Uh, damn near 1,200 OPS, which is good to see. You know, he's a guy that he has a lot of ups and downs, but this week he looked good. And But the story kind of this week, aside from some of the good pitching, was uh, – the two guys they brought up from from high a west michigan uh justice bigby and chris myers you know we put out a tweet a couple weeks ago about the tigers leaders in a lot of categories and, and those two were leading in ops plus or wrc plus by a pretty wide margin it's like 30 points higher than colt keith and everybody was like joking like oh these guys are in high a what are they doing in high a? well mid, the tigers bumped them up and they both produced this week at, at a high rate I'm trying to look at the numbers right here. So Big B went nine for 23 with two doubles, two walks, 940 OPS. Chris Myers was eight for 17. So those guys combined to go 17 for 40. That'll work. 350 average. Um, I think that's what that is. Uh, with, uh, Myers had a double, two walks, four strikeouts. So so really a lot of production from those two, and, and they really strengthened the lineup. Nice to see. And then, uh, you know, Colt Keith, all anybody ever wants to talk about is Colt Keith, right? And by Colt Keith standards, kind of a down week. 
and he missed a couple games. We know he's nursing what appears to be a sore arm, uh, but four for 17, a couple of home runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. He, he had a, a little bit of a, a skid there in between getting a hit today. He had gone 0 for 10, but uh, yeah, 0 for 10 is about as, as bad as you'll see Colt Keith, so I don't think we're too worried about that. Um, and that, uh, that about wraps it up for that team. What we did, Rogelio did highlight on the slide, Blake Hollum, who we've talked about a little bit. Four innings pitch, two walks, four strikeouts, no earned runs. He hasn't given up a run yet in double A. Relief arm, it's really moving through the system because the stuff is nasty. So good to see him continuing to produce. Um, I don't know if there were any, let's see. So Sergio, Sergio asked if Myers and Bigby are legit prospects we should take seriously. You know, that's a tough one to say. And I, I would say that they both have some interesting tools. Uh, that, that specifically with their bats. They're both, uh, you know, I would say fringe average to average hitters. Myers is a left-handed hitting first baseman type. And Big B was a first baseman in college. He's more of a corner outfielder in pro ball. Big B in particular, I guess they both did. They both show a kind of surprising opposite field power. Um, but, you know, it, it's just tough to say. Like, I, I don't see the tools popping out there where like, oh, this guy's a 60 hitter. This guy's got power. It's, it's They kind of remind me a little bit of... Um, Josh Lester, if you will, like just really good minor league hitters who, for whatever reason, might not have the ability to to succeed at the higher levels, the highest levels. But all you can do with these guys, and I felt the same way about Kerry Carpenter, to be honest, when he was in double A tonight. I'm like, well, you know, he's probably just one of these guys who's really good at double A. What you can do is you got to keep playing the guys and see how they perform. And if, if Bigby and Myers keep hitting like this at double A, then maybe bump up triple A at the end of the year next year if they keep hitting. Who knows? Uh, they just, you know, they don't strike me as guys who have those those tools that you just have to project to, to be pluses in the big leagues. They, they're performers right now, and that's the best I can say about them. I'm not a scout. Um, I, you know, I kind of fall back into the, well, there's got to be a reason these guys were taken in the 13th and 19th round, respectively. But that's, uh, maybe that's a, a fallacy there. Maybe appealing to authority that shouldn't be there, so. We'll see, but it was ha happy to see them produce, uh, and, and maybe they'll continue doing it. So, let's see. All right, we Colt hit homers in four straight games. He did with a couple games off in between, but uh, that was, you know, he's good. Okay, he's a good hitter. People always ask when he's going up. I, I don't know. We thought he was going to get a call up soon. We thought he'd get a call up when East or Erie's, you know, secured a playoff spot. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, it feels a little bit like from the comments we're getting now, from Hinch and, and Harris, when we, when they talk, is is they almost it feels like they want to overcook these players, if you will. Whereas they felt like maybe Riley Green and, and Spencer Torkelson were a little bit undercooked when they got to the big leagues. And there's that's going to happen. There's going to be development that happens that has to happen at the big league level. You you have to be able to adjust to the best players on the planet. But maybe they felt there was more stuff that could have been accomplished in the minors before they came up. I don't know. But so it seems like that's. The way they're going, maybe they feel like there's no particular rush with a 21-year-old. I don't know. Uh, we don't have any inside info on that yet. We wish we did. Um, maybe maybe Scott Harris loves Colt Keith and wants him to start the year in, in the big leagues next year so they can get an extra pick when he wins Rookie of the Year. I don't know. But uh, moving on, we're bumping down from Erie. Let's go see what West Michigan did. Now, they had a, I believe, uh, three-and-three week at Lake County. I committed a, a blunder by, I thought in the past, you couldn't see Lake County games on my LB TV. And so I missed the first couple of games of the week because you can see them now. I, I, I thought for sure that it was one of the only places where you couldn't. 
but uh so i missed uh some some interesting action there and also they had a lot of rain slash wet grounds rainouts this week so a lot of games were pushed around but they, they ended up having a decent week and they were kind of led by who is it it was um i got the slide coming up brady allen brady allen you know the minor league uh the, the guy they got for jonathan davis who's been playing well for the marlins good for the marlins uh brady allen kind of a an or guy as well but if you look brady allen's stats this year are almost identical to jace young's like across the board uh, I think Allen's like a year older, but they're both hitting for power, getting on base at a decent clip. Uh, and yeah, he had a he had a heck of a week. He went eight for twenty-one to a double, three home runs, nine RBIs, a thirteen fifteen OPS. I didn't check, but maybe player of the week in the Midwest League. Not sure, but that's those are numbers are pretty good. Anytime you get three home runs and nine RBIs, that's pretty close. But the other name that was really nice to see performing well this week was Isaac Pacheco. He's, it's been a struggle for him for five, six weeks now. But he went six for 18, three doubles, two home runs, two walks, and four strikeouts, a 1233 OPS. That's kind of what we were hoping to see out of him. Um, and I think it helps that Lake County's kind of a smaller park. But he was spraying the ball all over the place and, and looking good. So that was nice to see. Danny Soretti continues to be just kind of steady. Steady Soretti, I suppose we call him. Uh, if you want to, 4.15, a home run, three walks, four strikeouts, 8.56 OPS. Roberto Campos had a, a, a strong week in some regards. He went 8 for 24, which is great, like 3.33, right? Only two doubles, seven RBI, no walks, and seven strikeouts. That's kind of unusual for him, a 7.37 OPS. He, he controls the strike zone a little bit better than you'd expect. So, you know, I don't know. You, you give a little, you get a little there with, with hitting 3.33, but not getting on base otherwise. And then there were just a couple other players down there worth mentioning. Troy Melton had it, got his first uh, professional win the other day. Five innings, three hits, no runs, a walk, seven strikeouts. He continues his ascent. I think uh, you could argue for him maybe as a top 20 prospect in the system now. Just uh, He still needs to keep, continue to refine breaking balls, but he's learning how to pitch in professional baseball, and that's, that's fun to see. Let's see. Uh, Carlos Pena had a strange game today. Six innings, only one hit. But gave up two earned runs, uh, two two hit batters, four walks, and six strikeouts. His his control issues have been kind of befuddling this year, but because it he's a, a touch and feel guy. But I think it's basically he ran into some issues where he was getting hit hard. When that happens, some guys get a little shy of throwing in the strike zone, and uh, you can see Brian Pena, who will typically get in. He doesn't get in a lot of guys' faces, but you'll see him challenge Carlos Pena. Maybe it's because they share the same last name. I don't know, but. Uh, he challenges him sometimes, and, and I don't know if it works out well, but it was a bit of a rough week for, at least with control-wise, for, for Pena. And the other name I wanted to highlight was Tyler Madison, who had gone on the injured list and just came back. But uh, he got an interesting situation the other night where he had gave up. It was a tight game, I think 4-3 at the time, and he gave up two singles to start the, uh, the, the inning and then just turned it into overdrive. Was just firing the ball past. He got up to 98, three straight strikeouts. Uh, he got out of a jam that, that he kind of created on his own, and that was really impressive to see because that's going to be his role going forward. Is is, is kind of a flamethrower out of the bullpen, and uh, you like to see guys succeed in their role. Um, we got a question here: Does West Michigan still get huge crowds? They do. Uh, it depends on what you mean by huge, but I think I want to say that they are second in attendance in the Midwest League behind Dayton. Take Dayton. Usually has pretty big crowds, but yeah, they they tend to get you know, on the weekend. You might get three, four thousand, if not more. I think 
Uh, we've been there for some pretty large crowds. We Jackson Job's debut last year was was a particularly big raucous crowd. It's a great atmosphere for a baseball game, and and it's only going to get better as their renovations continue. Uh, so oh, so here's a good question, Mitchell Stachnik. Does Jung replace? Well, I said that name. Does 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 Jace Young replace Colt Keith and Erie whenever he gets called up? Possibly. I do want to. I want to talk about Jace Young again. Uh, I didn't mention him here, uh, but people probably want to know what happened. He, uh, let's see, what is his stats? I think he went three, three for twenty-three this week. Two home runs, but only one other hit. Uh, three walks, eight strikeouts, six twenty-two OPS. Just it, it feels like whenever he he's appears to be turning a corner, he kind of has a week like this. And I've been kind of harsh with Jace Young because of the looks. Just whenever we see him, he doesn't seem to be performing terribly well. And, and there's just some aspects of, of him swinging and missing at pitches in the zone that that worries me for the future. And you can look, you can look at his numbers, and it's like a 140 OPS or WRC plus. Like he's he's really performing well, and a lot of that is is driven by the walks and the power, which is great. You'd love to see that. But I always get a little bit worried when college hitters aren't also hitting for a high average. Now you know, we've all learned that the batting average doesn't mean much on its own, but there's kind of, it's kind of a mirage at the big league level, but there's also kind of a mirage you get in the minor leagues where you get these WRC pluses that look great. And it's because guys are walking and hitting for power. We saw it with Christian Santana last year with 215, but had like a 120 WRC plus because he walked a ton and hit for some power. And you can, you can go to Fangrass and you could filter down and you'd search for, for 22 year olds uh, like Jace Young, with 200-plus plate appearances and a strikeout rate north of 25%. And there's a lot of them, and there are only about five big leaguers on there. And that worries me a little bit. I, I just would love to see his strikeouts come down a little bit and his contact rate go up in the zone more, hit for some more average. Maybe there's the stuff behind the scenes that I'm missing where he's going to get better at that, but it still worries me. So I, I don't know. At a certain point, I do think he's going to get promoted to, to Erie just because. But I don't know. I, and I've, I've talked about this before, but he gives me kind of Kristen Stewart vibes where it's the power is great. The, the walks are great. I just worry about there's contact being there. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully he'll pull out of this and, and make me look foolish next week and then the coming weeks and, and really start knocking the cover off the ball. But I'm a little bit worried. Um, so let's. Uh, We'll move on down to Lakeland, the Flying Tigers. They went three and three this week. Next week, they're at Bradenton. You know, it, it's tough. Tough sledding down there. Not a ton of prospects to speak of. They did have a great week from their combined catchers, Sergio Tapia and Moises Valero. They went seven for 14 with three doubles, five RBIs. We saw some performance from Luke Gold. He's uh, played better of recent. Uh, I think he was their fifth round pick last year, I want to say. Five for 13, a double, three walks, 962 OPS. Dom Johnson, the speedy guy, outfielder, four for 13, three walks, three steals, or two steals, three strikeouts. Uh, the young infielders, though, Abel Bastidas, only four for 21, did have a pair of doubles, no walks, six strikeouts. That's a little bit worrisome. Santana, who I was just talking about, three for 14. He's gotten his average up to like 118 on the season, but it's still, you know, awfully low. Three walks and five strikeouts. Peyton Graham went five for 19 with uh, three walks and five strikeouts and a steal. And then we got some interesting pitchers. Uh, Connor Holden, I think, fresh off his. Uh, Florida State League Pitcher of the Week, uh, another solid outing. Five innings, three hits, only one earned run, two walks, seven strikeouts. That's that's good to see. Continues pitching well. 
Carlos Marcano is an interesting name that that Rogelio and I have talked out uh, talked about a little bit because he was one of the youngest pitchers in the Florida State League last year, and um, you know age is always kind of an interesting thing. You when you see an organization challenge a really young guy, you think they must think highly of him. And he worked mostly out of the bullpen last year, but he's kind of taken he's moved into the rotation and he had a really great start last week. And this week, five innings, two hits, one on run, four strikeouts. He's an interesting arm. You know, he's he's kind of um limited by his own physical build. He's only about six one, hundred and eighty pounds. But he's gotten a little bit more athletic, thrown a little bit harder, and he's got a pretty good changeup and a decent breaking ball. So just a name to remember as it's maybe some guy who, who will sneak into prospect looks down the road just because, uh, you know, th- th- he's performing now. Um, t- t- all right, here. Well, let's have some fun. We got some questions here. Um, Andrew Miller says Santana isn't a prospect in my opinion. You're free to have that opinion. He, he's still only 19 years old. He's a guy who walks a lot. He's got some bump in the bat. He's not a shortstop. So that's going to take him down a run. Um, and he's an okay second baseman. So yeah, you just got to hope that, that, you know, because he's so young that he's eventually going to develop, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's tough to get super excited about a guy who is a career 200 hitter in, in low A ball. Right. And now Sean Michael says, did I miss Chris's apology to Spencer Torkelson? Uh, I have not apologized to Spencer Torkelson. I will not apologize to Spencer Torkelson because Torkelson has been far worse than I ever projected him to be. I compared him to Reese Hoskins. I thought he would be a Reese Hoskins player. Reese Hoskins is like a 125 to 130 WRC plus. Richard Horkelson has been very good lately. I'm not, he, he looks good. I'm hoping he keeps it up. It's been great. Uh, his WRC plus is still 99 to 100 on the year. In career, it's like 80. Um, if he keeps this up, it's going to keep climbing and I will be happy to apologize. I want to see it more, but uh, I'm just happy to see him performing because. It was looking scary there for a little bit, right? Like, you know, um, like the name Torkelson's going to haunt the franchise for a while. But he seems to be picking things up. And we didn't even talk about it. The Tigers had a, a pretty awesome series win this weekend at Minnesota. Uh, so hard to be upset about that. And they really, you know, the offense in June went into that, you know, hibernation. But didn't seem to have any trouble against Minnesota. And they did it against some good pitchers too, right? Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray. So. Got to feel pretty good about that. See, and Torque's been driving it. Miggy's been hitting well. Baez is playing well. Abanez is back to hitting. It's nice to see. So, definitely progress, as Sean Michael says there. But uh, yeah, I think I, I finished up. The only other name I wanted to mention for Flying Tigers in Lakeland was Colin Fields, who I think has come up from the Complex League. Two games, three and a third innings, five hits, one and run, two walks, six strikeouts. Just you know, finding some guys who put up some numbers this week. It's, it's it can be a little bit tough in the Florida State League. And we'll finish off here with the, the rookie leagues. And there's some things to just talk about here. I guess the, the first thing we want to talk about, of course, is Jackson Job returning to action in the Florida Complex League. Two perfect innings, four strikeouts. Really encouraging. Now, um, you know, there, there are a couple things about that, that that are encouraging to me. Number one, that they gave him two innings, which suggests that he might go three in his next outing, and then four, and then five. And you know what? If he's doing that, he's probably going to be back starting games within the next month, which is honestly a little bit quicker than I expected. You know, with backs, I always get worried. Um, so just good to see. And then it's awesome to see that he went out there and dominated, right? Like it's, it's good to get him back on the mound no matter what, but 
he sure would be nice if if he you know became that arm that everybody was dreaming of and there were yeah you know, we talked about this before but before he went down with injury or right after he went down with uh, injury aj hench said you know it's a real bummer because he had been doing everything we, we hoped he would do and expected him to do which made me think you know it, it's not saying a ton but it made me think like yeah he had taken a step up and they were excited about his, his potential this year and we saw it at the end of last year he was a better pitcher at the end of last year than he was at the beginning of the year because it's a guy who hasn't pitched a ton just the way it is and it's kind of wild to think that um you know aj smith Chauver, who's pitching for the braves right now was taken in the same draft as jackson joe was actually too much younger than jackson joe he's already in the big leagues now that was Super quick ascent from a guy kind of like Jackson Job, who hadn't pitched a ton. With Shaver, it was a guy who he was, he was a quarterback and just uh, you know gave up. He was basically going to give up pitching to play football, but then football got shut down during COVID, and so he just kind of went back to throwing. And they saw him like, hey, that's good. So, uh, any event, great to see Job back. Looking forward to seeing what he does in his next uh, couple outings. Somebody asked earlier if there's video. Or That at some point, their uh, you know the player development account would have some video. We've seen video from the SEL from them before. Roberto Capos had a home run in his first career SEL at bat, and they put that out. But maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but that's good to see. There are uh, some performances down there in Florida too that I think are worth no uh, no noticing. Um, and the one guy I want to mention is, is the catcher Josue Brasenio, who. Uh, he went seven for 18 last week with two doubles, a home run, eight RBIs, and 10, 12 OPS so far in the Florida Complex League. Now, you know, numbers in the rookie leagues don't mean a whole lot. But you look at Brasenio, and he was one of their bigger signings last year. He's an 18 year old, and he's a, a big kid. He's six foot four, probably 200 pound now, catcher. And the way he's performing so far, you have to be kind of encouraged by that. So he's just a name I think people might want to remember. Um, because we were looking at deep, uh, you know, Dominican Summer League stats last year, and it was Raylan Perez was really tearing everything up. He's off to a rough start this year in the Florida Complex League, but Brasenio was playing well last year, too. It just wasn't as loud as, as Perez. But so far, it's been awfully loud for him in, in the Complex League, so that's exciting. You have uh, Andrew Jenkins kind of rehabbing down there, 9 for 14. That's, that's a bit much. That's a college guy playing against a bunch of teenagers. He probably needs to go back to, to Lakeland. Uh, Dan Maurice de la Cruz was a guy who, I think he won the OPS title, if such a thing exists, in the Florida Complex League a couple of years back. We've seen him in spring training a couple of times. He's just kind of been staying at that level, catcher. He went six for 10 with three doubles and a homer. Samuel Gill, or Hill, again, I don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, another guy from, from the signing class of last year, six for 16 with a triple, four walks, four strikeouts. He's a guy that, by the sounds of it, even when they were, were signing him, he sounds more like a Sergio Alcantara type, right? Like a more of a glove first infielder with some feel to hit, uh, probably not a ton of power, but you know, there's some value in guys like that if you can you know, play, play really good defense. Uh, and then we'll go head down to the DSL. We got Angel Cruz, seven for 14 with a couple home runs. He's an older first baseman, probably you know not much to think of there. And then some younger guys who are interesting. Uh, Santiago Pinto went five for 12. He's only 17. He had a home run, two walks, six strikeouts, and a steal. An outfielder, again, the, the Dominican Summer League stats don't tell us anything really. All things being equal, we like good stats more than bad stats. My friend Yerber Montilla, one of my favorite names in the system, he's a really athletic, dynamic type of player. 
Uh, he's his second year in the DSL. Went five for 21 with a double, a triple, a homer, three walks, a, a steal. You can just kind of get the picture for a guy who's hitting for the cycle during the week. It's probably a little bit fun to watch. And then you got Anibal Salas, who is a, a 17-year-old, four for 17, a double. What's interesting about him, seems to be showing a good eye. Uh, six walks, seven strikeouts, two steals. So just, a, you know, these are these are young guys, the names that don't mean a whole lot right now, but who knows, a couple of years down the road, maybe they're among the Tigers, the top 30 prospects. And a couple of pitchers, Josper Sanchez had nine strikeouts in three and two-thirds innings last week. And then Duque Hebert, everybody is still liking him from the World Baseball Classic. Five innings, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Pretty strong week for him. He's, he's pitching well so far in the Dominican Republic. So that's like, a, you know, what, 40 minutes of stats talk? Um, hopefully you guys didn't hate it without the, the visuals. Kind of more of a traditional podcast here, I suppose, than a, a visual podcast. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's you know, kind of typical week in the minor league system. You got some impressive performances get from guys you want. Some other guys having rough weeks. We'll reevaluate down the road. But uh, I don't know if anybody else has any questions in the chat. Now seems like a good time to get to them. Otherwise, we'll probably get out of here. I don't know if, uh, you know, like I said, anybody, I'll give you guys a minute or two if there's something you, you, you think of that you want to mention. If not, hopefully, uh, well, we'll certainly see you guys on Thursday, although I didn't miss last Thursday's show with the Motor City Metrics. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. I, I uh, It's been a while since I've done, I've never actually done a solo video show. I used to do solo podcast occasionally when I was doing the, the locked on thing, but it could be a little bit tough. Uh, hope I'm not talking too fast and so forth like that. But yeah, if, if nobody has any questions, uh, we'll, we'll see you either tomorrow night or, or Thursday for the Motor City Metrics. And um, like I said, good good Tigers series win. Pulling for Erie this week to clinch that playoff spot and then maybe cross your fingers. You get Colt Keith moving up uh, just so people can relax a little bit and feel the progress, even though I'm sure it's going just fine. But uh, yeah, we'll see. So anyway. Thanks, everybody, for, for tuning in tonight. Thanks again to Brian Sikowski from Perfect Game. He's awesome. Thanks to Raj. Thanks to all the guys out there uh, who you know, had a good Father's Day and, and anybody uh, who, who's tuning in. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.